0: Good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you not live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, but we're pre-recording the show today. I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here. And if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. Go to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, you'll be able to scroll down right on the right side of the page. And we'll be streaming live in this area when we air which is, for those of you listening by radio, on the right side of the page. That's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. And while you're there at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, support us by uh, signing up for our newsletter. You can subscribe to that. We don't rent your email. We don't sell it. We don't spam you. You get one email a day. It's all the articles we have at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com by myself, Bradley, and our contributors at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And then also while you're there, if you are able to help us do what we do, we not only do radio and Internet But we are also out among the people. Uh, We're even in the area that we're going to be talking about today. We've been over in California. uh, Several trips out there to educate the people on our Christian and constitutional heritage. That costs money. We have needs. We let you know we have needs. And if you're able and want to help support us, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on the donate button right at the top of the page and you can make a one-time donation or you can partner with us and become a son or daughter of Liberty. That's also at the top part of the page. Click that. Set that up. It comes out once a month or excuse me, you yeah, know, once a month. Uh, however, you set it up for whatever amount you want to contribute and to help us. We appreciate your support very much. And then we also have our store there. We've got T-shirts, hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, uh, Bradley's My War DVD series showing you exactly what goes on in the public school system that we call our public indoctrination centers that we call public schools. You can check all those out that help support us. And it also uh, goes a long way in helping to reach, help you reach other people with messages that start conversations and you can drive them back to the law because the standard is not the Republicans or the Democrats or me or Bradley or anybody else. The standard is the law. And that's what we drive our unity towards is towards the law. Now, with that said, Excuse me. We've got something going on across the country, and that is we've had tyrannical governors, mayors, uh, other people in office who have just usurped the authority they've been delegated with and have just just think that their big brother, they're going to take care of everybody and they're going to infringe all over the rights of the people in order to do that. They're going to play God in the matter uh, with the whole COVID nonsense that's went on. And as a result of that, several of them have been smacked down by some judges. We'll look at some of those as we go along through the show. But there's been um, moves by people to try to bring these people, these tyrants, back in line. For instance, in Michigan, you know, it was reported that it was domestic terrorists who went after Governor Whitmer. Well, nothing could be further than the truth. They were trying to bring her, arrest her, and bring her to justice. That's what they were trying to do. Uh, And they are branded as domestic terrorists. And now she plays the victim, even after she's been smacked down at least twice by judges in her usurpation of her authority. Now we've got this issue out in California where the people are trying to rein in Governor Gavin Newsom, who has done the same thing. This is a guy who shut down all kinds of businesses, had no authority to do it, and then left his own winery open uh, where where he was going to gain from that. And so the people of California have had enough. We have seen that they have started a recall petition, and you can check that out at recallgavin2020.com. We reported on that. Uh, I believe it was last week that I reported right at the end of, of last week that they had they were pushing towards more than 1.4 million signed petitions. And so, in order to take this a step further, what I did was was I contacted um, the site here for Recall Gavin 2020. They have a phone number that we could reach there, and I got in touch with a guy by the name of Orrin Heatley, and Oren, I spoke with him, and I said, hey, man, you want to you want to do a show with me? Uh, you guys are pretty close to your goal of what you need of signatures to get this recall going, and would you like to come on and do a show with me? And so he was very gracious and said, yep, love to come on. So we've set that up to do it today, and uh, it's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty in Heatley of Recall Gavin 2020. Welcome
1: to the Sons of Liberty, man. God blessed him, and thank you so much. I, I really enjoy uh, the opportunity to come aboard and speak with your viewership and and your listeners. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of
0: your busy day. I know things are are, are very uh, busy out there because you guys are really on the stick. You've got what a little over a month or something like that to get to two or three hundred thousand more signatures, and so we want to give you a voice because you're doing the stuff that we talk about here. It's not uh, we, we talk about taking talk radio and making it do radio. In other words, we'll, we'll show the problem just like everybody else, but then we want a solution for it. And you're bringing part of the solution there. So tell us a little bit about what's going on there in California and how you came to start this uh, this this petition recall.
1: Well, my team and I are invoking the power of the people to regain control over this rogue government, not just this one governor. We have, you know, a plan to go forward as we move ahead uh, after this recall. But, you know, we're highly confident that this recall is going to go through and we're going to have an opportunity to choose a new governor in California. This is absolutely a monumental effort. It's historical. This is the largest ever attempted Petition drive in United States history, and we've been able to do this so far with the, with the help of volunteer forces alone. And, uh, you know, there, there are other people coming aboard now that are, that are bringing professional help, Um, but, Really, to, to get us to this point, to where we are today, it's been on the backs of the citizens and the people of California who are just frustrated and angry and disillusioned. Um, this is a nonpartisan effort. People from the entire political spectrum are coming to to sign the petition and to participate in actually getting it done, circulating the forms. So we're we're gaining momentum and speed even in this late game. We're you know in the fourth quarter, but we still have four downs left, and there's a lot of games still left in what we have to do. I don't want to get overly confident and and say that we're there, we're at the goal line. You have to run through the tape, as they say.
0: Well, yeah, of course, and you don't want to you don't want to let up until you've actually run through the tape. And uh, so I appreciate that you say that. Um, now, how many, how many signatures do you have at this point?
1: We have 1.45 million. 1,450,000.
0: Okay. All right. Now, when, when you take that in consideration, because I had read a report earlier and I wrote one based on what the guy at the Daily Caller Foundation had said was you needed 1.5 because you had to have a certain percentage and when you and I were talking, it was more than that, right? Was it 1.8 or something like that that you guys needed? Correct.
1: We need we need no okay. less than 1.8 million to uh, to achieve the goal that we're looking to get into. Okay. Now, what
0: happens once you get those? Once you get all those signatures, can you walk people through the process of what you guys will be doing? What happens once you get it? Who handles that? Who determines the recall? It, you know, I have a question. Is Newsom able to run in this new election that you're going to have, or is he going to be out of the way and you're going to have different people in there?
1: Well, the the people are given an opportunity to choose. Uh, yes, you support the recall or no, you don't support the recall. And then they're given a list of names to choose a replacement for the governor. And if the, once the recall succeeds and we get it to ballot once it qualifies for a special election then the governor doesn't stand a chance of surviving that okay he's been he's damaged goods at that point and even the democrats are going to turn against him and they're going to run somebody they have to run somebody to replace him in the event that we succeed so they have to put a front runner out there and somebody qualified to take his place it's not our position to choose a candidate or to endorse a candidate at this point. At some point we will, but right now we're mainly focused just on recalling the governor and we have to make that position available for somebody more qualified and more confident, more competent.
0: Okay. All right. Now there's probably some people who are listening right now and they go, I've got this situation in, let's say, Michigan where we've got Governor Whitmer who has also faced some of the same things that newsom has faced she's had two supreme court rulings against her telling her you can't do what you're doing and she continues to do it anyway she continues to thumb her nose at the law thumb her nose at the people what what got you on board here i mean let people know a little bit about yourself who you are and what you do and then what what got you to this point to where you said hey we need to start this, we need to put this together, and we need to get the people on board because this is destroying lives, it's destroying businesses, uh, it's an infringement upon the people's rights, it's tyrannical. Can you give people a little bit of background to that before Gavin uh, recall Gavin 2020 came about?
1: I appreciate that. I'm a a retired sergeant with the Yellow County Sheriff's Department. I worked there for 25 years, a great group of people. I really enjoyed the, the job. And, you know, once I retired, then I got into, you know, just basically, what do I do now? And, you know, I saw that this governor had overstepped his boundaries and, you know, they are maintaining a sanctuary state status without giving the people the ability to vote on that. Um, You know, the legislature has, has run rogue and I realized that California has a super majority rule over the the Californian government, the legislatures and the governor, the judicial branch, the executive branch, administrative, they have, they've taken control over, the entire system. And the people are the only check left to keep these folks in line. And they have truly lost sight and they're drunk on power. Um, They've lost sight of who they work with. And they're more intent with working around the people than working with the people or for the people they serve.
0: Well, I think that's exactly what we're seeing across the country with some of these guys, whether they be mayors or or governors, or other people who are usurping their authority, they they have forgotten that they work for the people, that they are limited in their scope of authority. And uh, some of them have this attitude, well, I'm just looking out for your best interest. And one of the interesting things for me, or your health, or any of this other, one of the interesting things for me, orin, is these are the same people that support the dismemberment and the murder of the unborn in the womb, and yet they'll come and say, oh, we care about you. We're going to make you not do this or wear this or put this on or have this jab or whatever. And we really care about human life. Meanwhile, in the back room for 200 bucks, we're covering up, you know, psychopaths who are ripping apart little babies in the womb. And I, I find it highly ironic uh, to, as to what's going on there. But with Mr. Newsom, <clears throat> Yeah, go ahead.
1: Tim, when when the governor first took office, one of the first things that he did was to suspend the death penalty in California, and and that's saving the life of somebody who has committed a horrendous crime, and their victims will never breathe again. They will never see the light of day again. Their families miss them. That you know, they're the people that that have lost their loved ones are you know, suffering another injustice when this governor comes in and overrides the will of the people. California voters voted to maintain the death penalty and to streamline it, to make it more effective and more efficient. And what did this governor do when he went into office? But to establish an executive order to suspend the death penalty indefinitely not only did he do that but he also redistributed all of the the prisoners on death row throughout the state and he dismantled the death chamber so in order to reestablish that the death penalty in california is going to be extremely difficult for anybody coming forward
0: Yeah, we've talked about that many times on this show, uh, where if you don't bring the death penalty to bear, and personally, I think it ought to be done at the local level, uh, because you bring that in, that way, if people know that person, they're going to make real sure that that guy is really guilty, because you don't get a redo over on the death penalty, and I'm for the death penalty, I think it's a just punishment. Uh, But when you don't bring it, you're, you're doubling that on those who are the victims, not... And I'm not talking about those who have lost their life. I'm talking about their families, because now you're going to tax them to upkeep this guy for however long he's going to be in there, food, clothing, housing, housing. And on top of that, if they don't pay it, you're going to put the gun to their head and say, we're going to take you to jail and put you in there with him if you don't pay your taxes. So it's a, it's an injustice all around.
1: In in California, you you have the travesty of the death penalty being overturned and then you have a murderer, a heinous murderer, like Scott Peterson, who beheaded his pregnant wife, was found guilty, sentenced to death. He's no longer on death row. And not only that, but to add insult to injury, Scott Peterson was one of the people who were fraudulently receiving unemployment benefits from the state of California who the state auditor has just released numbers where they suspect that the, the EDD here in California have lost or spent $10.4 billion in upwards of $30 billion to scams, corruption and fraud um, where they were giving unemployment benefits to prisoners throughout our state. And also, Throughout the nation, which is just a gross mismanagement of resources and our tax dollars, and so forth, going forward. So it doesn't matter where you fit ideology, you know, your ideology stands as far as the death penalty goes. But when you have a governor that goes in, and with this the swipe of a pen, he unilaterally overrides the will of the people with a singular motion. He has disenfranchised every man and woman who voted on that matter. And that's, that's a problem that we all face. So that's, that is totalitarianism, and that's a rogue government. And, you know, we are the only check that stands in their way of imposing their complete socialist agenda on our state and on our, our nation as a whole.
0: Yeah, it sounds like to me like Newsom's just as bad as Jerry Brown before him, if not worse. Uh, And we're guaranteed under a constitution, a Republican form of government, which knows nothing about a governor just um, willy-nilly doing these kinds of things that you're talking about. In fact, I'm kind of interested to learn some of this, of what you're bringing out, because I guess with all that's went on in the past year, uh, one would think, okay, this is about his tyranny concerning the whole... I call it the Convid 1984, Uh, but his tyranny about that. But this is much bigger than that. This was going on long before that, right?
1: It it is. And, uh, you know, so when he took office, he signed the, the death penalty away, just suspended it just unilaterally. And then you move forward in time and he signed the assembly bill, AB 105, which put tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of independent contractors out of work in California. Here's a governor who has no consideration of the hardship people are facing, their jobs or livelihood. And in, in a power grab to unionize this labor force, he signed a law into place, putting these people out of work and basically strong arming them into unionized labor, which is unheard of. These are people that were already struggling to begin with, and now they're forced with unemployment. They can't bring in that extra money or you have the money that they need to survive on because of the law that this governor signed into place in order to take over that, that industry. Okay. Are there other things
0: that are taking place as well? You know, we had a, a young lady out of uh, San Diego, Naomi Israel. I don't know if you've heard of her before, but she uh, is a wife and mother. And she was actually putting together during all the lockdown stuff, protests uh, there. I think it was at City Hall. I'm not I'm not sure. But in, in different places, she was bringing in some big names. Some people had caught wind of what she was doing. And so some big names were coming to support her. And they had threatened her with incredible fines, jail time, for simply getting people together to do what the First Amendment is supposed to protect, and that is to a, uh, you know, have a, a redress of grievances with her government uh, because they were shutting them down. There were a number of other issues, too. 5G became one of the issues. But it was basically the lockdowns, the infringements on people's liberty, to go about their life, to care for their families, to provide for them and things of this nature. And uh, I'm curious, what did you see in your neck of the woods where you're at in California? What did you see as far as any of that kind of stuff from this governor?
1: I can tell you that we held a rally out at the state capitol on May 1st. And it was a, a very peaceful gathering, family gathering, uh, there was no violence until the CHP started to evict us off, kick us off of the Capitol grounds for no good reason. Other and they, they cited the fact that uh, we weren't social distancing or wearing masks or what have you. Okay, and they used you know their their health code directives in order to force this movement. They moved a thousand people at a peaceful rally off the grounds, where we were gathered in our First Amendment right to petition the government and to petition them with our redress, and we're there just to gather and assemble. There was 32 people arrested that day, but in the days to follow, you had BLM, and Antifa going around tearing down statues of Unipero Serra and other statues and vandalizing government buildings and the Peace Officers Memorial and, and such. But not one arrest was made during those violent protests and the, the vandalism that was going on. And today, I still don't know. I haven't heard of any arrests that have been made in those circumstances, but they arrested 32 people at a peaceful rally where patriots were gathered just to, to come together and and petition the government for their redress and have a rally. And that's just unconscionable. And that was, you know, a food drive and where people were gathered just having a a family event. You know, there were people out there with picnics and blankets on the lawn and enjoying themselves. And then all of a sudden the, the order came out to move them off the lawn. And that order came from the governor, governor himself.
0: Let me ask you this. So You, you were a sheriff and uh, had you gotten any of these orders like this, uh, mass mandates, enforce this stuff or um, any of this other, you know, this business is essential. This business is non-essential. You've got to go and shut these people down. Would you have enforced something like that?
1: You know, you have you have some very strong law enforcement officials down here like uh, Sheriff Bianco and and Villanueva down in Los Angeles who have come out and and the uh, Riverside Sheriff Los Angeles San Diego I believe and they've openly refused to enforce this governor's health code shutdowns or his mandates Um, basically calling them out saying that they're non-constitutional and they're not going to they're not going to enforce it. So then you have other sheriffs, other police chiefs and officials who are a little less they have a little less backbone or they're, they're weak leaders and they're not coming out and refusing to endorse it. But what you, when you see the sheriff of a county as big as Riverside County coming out and openly defying the governor And then you have his own legislatures who are, are, uh, you know, suing him in court, his own assembly people that have sued him in court and won uh, because of his unconstitutional mandates and his executive orders. Um, You know, that is really indicative of somebody who's lost sight of the people that he serves. And he has no, he's lost the confidence of the people that he works with and for.
0: Okay. All right, yeah, and I remember the uh, thing you talked about that happened there at the state capitol because I remember I think there was a, a marine who had a bullhorn and he was calling out the officers who were being so intimidating uh protecting the tyrant and and coming against the people. You know, I got to tell you there are some of those police officers they they're going to have to they're going to have to start choosing making making a sound choice as to who you know whether they're going to uphold the constitution or whether they're going to keep their job and serve the tyrant. Uh, because there's a whole lot more people than there are of them, and you know, I hate to say it, but you can only push people so far, and uh, and, and and then they're just not going to take it anymore. So I, you know, we talked about this before. This is the bloodless way, if you will, and this is what we all want. We want a peaceful solution to the problem. The part, but the problem usually comes is if if you can't deal with the tyrant, if you can't get rid of the tyrant. That's a, That's what history shows where it goes to. So I appreciate that you guys have got on the stick. You've got a couple of guys together. Oh, actually, you've got more than that. <clears throat> but if you want to tell us a little bit, of, you've got a little bit of a team there that you've put together that's doing this. And you've got a lot of volunteers who are who are working with you. Do you want to talk about some of those people, how you got together and began to do this? Because I don't like using the term grassroots. That sounds like something you step on. The people are... Uh, they are the government, we the people, we're the government, these people work for us, we just delegated them some authority to do what what we have authority for. In Romans 13, we've made mention of this before, the king in our society, so to speak, is King Jesus, number one, and then we are that, that one who has the authority, and we delegate it to others to represent us and to carry that out. And you guys got together and said, okay, we're going to, this is what we're going to work towards. We're going to work to this recall. How many people did you get together and how did that grow? Because I'm sure there are people listening who want to do this in their state as well.
1: I appreciate that. And uh, I I don't mind the term grassroots because we are the foundation that the country has been built on. We are, we are the ground that we walk on. We are, you know, the path to the, the right direction. Um, You know, this has been like, steering a large ship with a small rudder. Um, and it, it's taken some time and effort to build it. I am, and my entire team are all non-paid volunteers. We have two paid employees. One is a treasurer and she's our compliance officer because there's a lot of laws and, and a lot at stake. So we don't wanna find ourselves on the wrong side of the FPPC, the FEC, the FBI, or any other law enforcement. Regulation, where we're going to find ourselves in jeopardy of being arrested for, you know, political malfeasance or or campaign finance funding, et cetera, et cetera. So we do have, you know, two two paid employees. Of those two, you know, Randy Economy is our lead senior advisor, and he is a political advisor and our media spokesperson. And, you know, he helps us navigate some of the, some of the uh, political waters because we're finding out that, you know, as a citizen army, there are a lot of hazards to navigate through. And having somebody aboard with the names and, and, you know, knowing the history and all that good stuff is, is tremendous. And uh, we just really appreciate both of those people. Now, beyond that, we have our executive staff, which is myself, Oren Heatley, and uh, I'm the lead proponent. I'm the chairman of the California Patriot Coalition. And then you have Mike Netter, who is our co-chair, and Robin McCray. She's our, our other board member as far as the, the committee goes. Then you have Susan Hurd and Christine Abercrombie and our, you know a handful of other people on our executive staff. Beyond that, we have 150 administrators throughout the state. There's 75 volunteer groups up and down the state of California. Of those 75 volunteer groups, we have 150 administrators. There's 25 regional managers and three state supervisors, Northern California, Southern California, and and Central. And then you have... Susan Hurd who oversees the operation she's our state administrator. So it's it's a vast network up and down the state volunteers all non-paid volunteers. We have over 250,000 members on our groups. Not every one of them are, you know, boots on the ground volunteers out gathering signatures. On any given day we'll have anywhere from a thousand to 5,000 people out on the street doing, doing the actual work. That's absolutely
0: incredible. I mean, to to see that there's volunteers who'll go out and do that. Now you also have the website and I know on the website, uh, I was going to bring that up here real quickly again and and show people, but on the website, uh, people can go to recallgavin2020.com. And you guys actually have, I guess, if somebody is in the state of California, they can actually download their petition and sign it. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. So we made this as easy as possible for people to participate. And um, basically, RecallGavin2020.com has all of the information that you need. There are several key tabs there that you can reference. There's a counties tab where if you go onto the tab that says counties, then you can go to the specific county you live in and download the information from that county. There's also a link there where you can join the specific Facebook group for your particular county. Um, And those Facebook groups are, that's a mechanism that we've used as a communication platform um, so people can talk with one another on a local level, on a local community basis, and they can coordinate and communicate with one another from their area. Um, We also have the state groups, which is the homepage. So all you have to do is go to Facebook and type in recallgavin2020.com, and you'll see there will be a populated list of 75 groups that come up, and you can find the one near you if you live in California. Now, for those who do not live in California but wish to participate, you can help fund the fight. Through your donations. And you can make a donation at recallgavin2020.com or you can mail it into our address that's listed on the bottom of the petition and on our website. Um, This is truly a battle between good and evil. We all know that. And right now, evil has the upper hand. The only way that we're going to succeed in this endeavor is if we all pull our resources, come together and join forces and unify to get this done.
0: I agree. And I think that's one of the things that we constantly stress here on the Sons of Liberty, because too many people get caught up in the right-left paradigm, the Republican-Democrat kind of thing. And the issue is getting united behind the law. And you've got a, a governor who is lawless. He's thumbed his nose at the law. He's thumbed his nose at the people. And the people don't have any recourse except to to deal with it in the way that you guys are doing. I, again, I find it fascinating. You've got so many who are helping you. Uh, they've come along. They've given their time. They've given their resources. And you're saying that people even outside the state can come and they can go click on this green donate button at RecallGavin2020.com. And they can help support... Uh, some of the pay that you guys have to put out to the two people that you have to pay. And then <clears throat> the people of California, you're I, still... I, I'm sorry, I, go I, I got to stop you there, too, because there, there okay. is a
1: lot more um, expenses involved in just those two okay. employees. Yep, yep. Yes, okay. we, are a, we, we are an all-volunteer force, um, non-paid volunteers. We do have only those two employees, and they, they cost very little. And the reason that I bring that up is because we run a very efficient machine. Every dollar that's donated to this cause goes directly into the recall effort. Advertising uh, is very expensive. We would like to to launch a television advertising campaign. Um, Luckily, we haven't had to do that so much because we've been covered on A lot of the networks, CNN, NBC, Fox, and believe it or not, folks, wrap your mind around this. Politico, the San Francisco Chronicle, CNN, some of your farthest left-leaning media outlets have embraced our movement because they recognize the, the power, the synergy, and the drive behind what we're doing, and they can't ignore it. And and, uh, you know, they're carrying the story, not just in a favorable way, but in a factual way. And we we really appreciate that.
0: Well, that's good to know. And I'm, I'm glad you did bring that up. Uh, I can imagine somebody said, OK, well, you've got a website, but then you are doing other advertising and things of that nature. And one of the great things is and I think we were talking just before we did the uh, the interview here uh, to where you guys also had an issue. Where you know some other outlets are going to be covering you. I'll let you name if you want to name the one that you guys are going to be interviewing with. But other big outlets that are out there who are carrying your story that are not the far left, so to speak, and they're behind it as well. So I'm I'm always of the opinion that uh, all um, exposure like this is good exposure if you're if you're trying to push this because your message is going to resonate with the people who are most affected by it. And uh, you, you're, you've are you already got uh, 1.45 million signatures on this recall. You're just a little over, what, 300,000 from your goal. And you've got – can you tell people when the last day is to get this
1: in? So the last day that people – can we want them to submit their petitions to us to mail them in is March 10th. And that gives us – if we receive it by March 10th, then that gives us seven days to turn it around – and return it back to the county that they need to be filed at. Okay.
0: All right. Now, with that said, how does that work? You're having to, are you having to send these signatures in to each individual county? Is that what's going on?
1: So what happened, and just to go back to your earlier question, so the people aren't left in the lurch, um, there are other media outlets like Newsmax, OANN are covering us. OANN has they they've been very generous with their stage time and covering our what we're doing out here, um, and I, I strongly recommend that if you haven't already subscribed to Newsmax and OANN Epic Times, you know they're they're very conservative circulations and uh, you know they are helping pass the word and getting getting the word out, helping motivate people. So that that is the the biggest hurdle that we have. I still today come across people, good, solid conservatives who have no idea that this is even taking place, which is, you know, it's, I'm just shaking my head going, have have you been buried under a rock for these last six months or what? You know, we've been out there doing this, pounding the pavement. And, uh, you know, it seems to me that we're on every radio show, every news broadcast and every outlet, and we're advertising up and down the state. I now have what we now have our own radio show on KABC in Los Angeles it on Friday nights at seven o'clock and you can listen to it on iHeartRadio or, or you can just type in KABC.com Friday nights at seven o'clock. It's called Friday nights at the French laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I, look, I'm sure some people, it is a a fun show (laughs) and we will this week, this week we will have uh, Newsmax producer in studio with us, as well as an entire uh, uh, CNN news crew that are going to be filming the broadcast of Friday nights at the French Laundry. Well, that ought to be very exciting <laughs> when you guys all you know, get together. I've got to tell you that um, you know the the stain on Gavin Newsom's reputation from from attending that birthday dinner. Won't ever be washed out at the laundry, and it may be the most expensive dinner he will ever have attended.
0: We well, you know it, when people are are left uh, to commit the crimes that they're that he's committed against the people. When they're left there and no justice is brought, they're only emboldened, and that's why I think probably he was. Uh, he was very arrogant about what he did in that. Just as uh, Governor Whitmer up in Michigan, same thing. And we, you know, there is the the old phrase, "Justice guards our liberty," and that is the one thing that's sorely missing in America today is justice. We don't bring justice anymore. We're we're more sympathetic towards the criminal than we are their victims, and uh, I think that's the, that's part of the problem. So I think you guys are on the path here to bring some justice. Now, here's the next question and. and in keeping with that, here's the question that I have. Let's let's say let's move ahead and say you've got all the signatures you need, you've got them in on time and everything, and now there's going to be this recall. Um, what do you do with this guy once he's out of office? Do you just say, okay, good, he's out of office, good riddance, and that's it? Or do you bring some justice to the guy for his crimes against the people?
1: Well, I, I think that the, the first hurdle is what you talked about is just remove him from office. And part of the punishment is not allowing him ever to hold an office of honor or privilege or, or power in our country ever again. If we fail in what we do today, he stands a good chance at running for president. And look who we put in the White House today if they can bring Joe Biden to the White House with absolutely zero energy and zero drive and, you know, nothing behind him, it wouldn't be a far reach to suggest that they could do the same thing with this governor. And he's a little more charismatic and better looking than Joe Biden. He's young, he's energetic. Um, I wouldn't put it past our, our corrupt government to Fast track him there. So that's why it's so critically important that we take action now while he's still a governor and not allow him to become president. You cannot recall a, a federal official. You can a state official. So just be aware of that, folks. Um, wrap your mind around the fact that this man has, has squandered and misspent billions of dollars of our taxpayer money here in california just think what he's going to do when he gets into the white house or if he has that opportunity and we're trying to eliminate him from having the opportunity moving forward he's already done dirty deals with china buying you know masks at you know the tune of billions of dollars when he could have done business with people here at home and employed our own citizens but he chose to do otherwise. And where that where are those masks? I, I haven't seen any. Um, you know, where did they go? How were they distributed? What did they do with them? Did we ever receive them? Those yep. are questions left unanswered.
0: I, I think I think those are good questions to ask because uh, that's the people's money. Um, and you know, I, I ask a lot of uh, questions about where this authority comes from to do some of the things that uh, governors do. I'm not as familiar with the California Constitution as I am, say, with the South Carolina one, which is more long, than, I guess, in line with the federal constitution. Uh, and I'm, my understanding is that the further you go out west uh, in those states, the, the less they're like the federal constitution. And uh, so certain rights are not enumerated in there and things of that nature. But if you've got a guy doing that, uh, he's not looking to prop up uh, the people of the state that he's supposed to serve. Uh, he's going to a communist country, and uh, in, in this situation, that, that's one of the things I find ironic that uh, you know the, the President Trump had, had called it a China virus. I, I don't even know if that's the case, but he called it a China virus, and then we have all these orders for Chinese masks, which doesn't make any sense to me uh, that you would do that. So I appreciate you pointing that out, that Newsom was doing something very similar there. Are there other things that people need to be aware of? I know that he had really um, an attack on the church out there in California. We had um, a report, let me see, this was back in uh, September of 2020. Uh, There was a judge that ordered the church to shut down. Americans must remove the judge and have services. Uh, and, And we're talking about impeaching a judge who's for all intents and purposes, behaving badly when he's giving a ruling like this. I mean, this is a complete uh, disregard for the First Amendment. So you not only have, uh, say, a governor who is on board with this kind of activity, you've got some judges out there that you guys have to deal with, too, to impeach them and to remove them from office as well. What else has this governor been involved in that you can think right off the top of your head uh, for other things of why you guys are recalling him?
1: You know he, he has he has attacked attacked our traditional values here in California and nationwide. I mean, you know people are incensed because he shut churches down, but he left strip clubs and bars open. Um, his winery was left open, but nobody can go to church services on Sunday. Um, the fact that he mandated that you can't sing in church is just a head scratcher. What what does that do for anybody? He's imposed a 10 o'clock curfew on our population and, you know, shut down the state yet again as far as a stay-at-home order and other restrictions that are unconstitutional. Um, you know, it's, it's just unconscionable what this guy is doing. Um, you know, but that, if you look further and if you go wind the clock back a little bit, um, one of the first things that he did during this COVID shutdown was a mass release of state prisoners from the, from custody. And he's added 20,000 prisoners throughout the state to our new homeless crisis. So California has already released the best of the best prisoners during prop 47 and AB 109 and or AB 105, I don't remember which, but that basically reorganized the prison system. They, they redistributed prisoners from state prisons to county jails, and then the county jails were overwhelmed, so they had to release the prisoners that they had in custody back out to the street. And you had in, in upwards of 100,000 inmates that had been released from the state prisons, you know, vicariously through the county jails, and if you look at the trends in California you know that we suffer one of the highest homeless populations in our state if you travel through California you won't go far until you look on the side of the road and you see these homeless communities popping up and they're not just homeless camps they're homeless communities with hundreds of people in them and it's a problem and we we were already suffering a problem of having the highest homeless population in our state the highest taxes and the lowest quality of living, and then this governor goes and releases another 20,000 inmates back out into society, and I, you know, I say that he's unleashing them back on society, uh, but that's my own opinion, and the reason I say that is because these people are going back out, and they're committing more crimes, they're victimizing more people, and just to, you know, to, to spotlight one case, One of the inmates that was released early from this governor's policies went home to his, his house in San Joaquin County here in California and murdered his two month old infant son. So as far, as far as I'm concerned, that blood of that baby boy is on this governor's hands. That man should have never been released. And here this governor came in and with an executive order demanded his release and he was unleashed back on out onto society to commit this heinous crime.
0: That's just, that's absolutely unthinkable. Let me ask you this too. Uh, now, we, we saw those people being released under the pretense of COVID, I guess. I, their, their whole illogic, and that's what it is, of what they were doing through all of this nonsense is absolutely amazing to me. I mean, it's just, I just don't even begin to understand how people even get by saying and doing some of the things they're doing without being laughed out of office. But I, but what about illegals in, in California? How has that been? Has it been running the same kind of deal here too, that, uh, that went on with uh, releasing these uh, violent criminals back into society?
1: Well, let me, let me ask you a question. So if you have 20,000 inmates going back to the, the earlier portion of your comment, um, who are in custody, they have a roof over their head, they have clothing, they have food, they have, you know, three meals a day, they have medical care provided to them. And then you all of a sudden take that away from them and release them back out onto the street and say, okay, you're free now, free to go. How does that help them prevent from getting COVID or any other resources that are available to them before. So uh, is their life any better now than it was then? I, I would hes- hesitate to say yes. I mean, there's, there's nothing that would t- indicate to me that their life is better in a tent out in, you know, we've had some of the strongest wind storms and, and rain storms in our state's history in the last couple of months. And you know these people are out there freezing cold in a wet tent in the you know heavy windstorms and things like that. How are they better? Off? How, you know, it just leaves somebody scratching their head. Now, as far as the illegal immigrants go, uh, this governor, you know, has operated under threats and intimidation with corporations and companies, and he's openly come out and declared that any company. That is found to work on the border fence that President Trump was erecting up and you know down the border from here to Texas uh, along the Mexican border. Any company in California will no longer be uh, eligible to be contracted with the state. That's that's just unconscionable as far as I'm concerned. That's mob rule. That threats and intimidation. And to threaten a company um, from operating under a federal contract and telling that company, if you operate under a federal contract, you're not going to be eligible to operate under a state contract and take that business away from them or the opportunity to apply for, for those contracts that's that's where you get into totalitarian rule, and you know that's not how we do business here in the United States.
0: Yeah, well, I you know I go towards the liberty issue anyway, and then that just piles on as far as I'm concerned. Um, so so he is dealing with the the illegal alien issue in a very similar manner. I know California was already dealing with some of that. I know that under Jerry Brown they had given. Uh, illegal uh, driver's licenses as well, and so uh, there's just been a whole lot of problems there. I guess the thing that I don't understand is is uh, my understanding of of California is the southern part is more of the whatever liberal part. The conservative is more northern, but With regard to what you're garnering as far as signatures here, is that happening all across the state? You mentioned the people all across the state. Is that happening all across the state or are there certain sections which it doesn't seem to be taking and others it does?
1: No, it's, it's universal. And I, and I just want to go back to something that you had said, Tim, Um, you know, this governor has done everything he can in his power to entice People, foreign nationals who are here illegally to come into the country and make it as hard as possible for people to, uh, you know, for the federal government to locate them or return them back to their place of origin. Um, This governor has spent in upwards of 75 million dollars of our taxpayer money for Um, illegal immigrant businesses who have suffered for COVID when you have our own business owners and our own people here in our country who are suffering. Uh, These people shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be doing business. And here you have the governor of California giving them free health care and our taxpayer dollars to bail them, them out during the COVID crisis where our people are suffering. Now, when I say He is giving them free health care. I mean that this governor came into office and one of the first executive orders that he imposed on our citizens was to reestablish the health care mandate that president Trump had overturned the Obamacare mandate. Okay. Which required people to maintain insurance. And if you didn't maintain insurance, health insurance, then you would be subject to fines and higher taxes under this new uh, tax law. So he, he imposed the restriction that California citizens were required to maintain their own health care insurance. Hmm. And it, under the threat and intimidation, if they didn't do so, then they would be fined and and penalized.
0: Oren, we're going to run out of time here, and what I want to do is I want to give you, you got about 20 seconds. Tell people where they can find out more about what you're doing and how they can get involved.
1: You can find everything you need to know about the recall movement in California. Go to recallgavin2020.com. This this is a formula that can be rebroadcast throughout the state, throughout the country, recallgavin2020.com.
0: All right, there is Oren. And we appreciate your time, sir, giving it to us today. I appreciate it very much. And uh, you guys go there, recallgavin2020.com. You can also contact him if you're wanting to do it in your state. I'm sure he'll be glad to let you know what's going on there and how you can do that. 23 hours will be back to you, rotten to the core Wednesday. See ya.